Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Miloš Novovic and I'm an Associate Professor of Law at BI Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own. And I'm Ria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting. And hello everyone. Hi there, Ria. How are you doing? I am doing great, Miloš. It's been such an exciting time the last few days and weeks, so I am super psyched. How about you? Oh, me too. Me too as well. Like, I just feel that time is flying. I just, you know, during this time of the year, I'm like, wait, it's mid-December. Impossible. It's October. So I'm doing well <laughs> in that sense. But so nice to see you. My God, do we have a lot to talk about. I have to oh start gosh. this with a confession. So I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anyone. Oh, my gosh. You got I me all like curious now. the Irish DPA. There, I've said it. Sorry, what was that? That I like the Irish DPA? Really? Because I hear uh, a lot of people that don't. So this is <laughs> very surprising. Right? And me liking a public agency like an Irish DPA? No, it's, uh, I have to say that there are a few things in which I agree with them. And <laughs> I've just read a decision which I found to be very interesting and well written. And uh, it was thanks to you that I read it. <laughs> it is the $15 million Facebook fine. Can you tell us a tiny bit more about this one? Yeah, the uh, 17 million euros fine. Uh, that is, uh, okay, yeah. You, you're saying that you get excited. I just have to get this off my chest. Like the, the, the reason I said these last few days and weeks have been so exciting is because I have been digging through the DPC decisions and there are so many of them and only related to Meta, formerly known as uh, Facebook. And they have published several decisions and I have gone through three so far. So that accounts to several hundred pages and I sit there in the morning with a cup of tea and highlighting as I read on my tablet and I just love it. Uh, are, is, am I the only one or um, you obviously then? No, 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 not at all. It's just that <laughs> I hate reading such stuff on a tablet. And actually, I have made a bit of a scene at work because my colleague wanted to use the printer. And then it took, I you kid you not, like didn't. half an hour, I burned down a forest. By oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I usually prefer to, but I actually realize now that I prefer reading on a tablet because I love the highlighting feature and using the pencil and everything. So, but anyway, yes, let's go back to the decision at hand. So this is the one concerning the 12 personal data breaches relating to Facebook and Instagram during June to December 2018. So obviously, it's been a while uh, since this happened. But uh, looking at the decisions and, uh, you know, they concern cross-boarding processing. So they have to go through Article 60 and involve all the other supervisory authorities. So it's a lengthy, lengthy process. But in this particular one, uh, it was uh, regarding several software bugs and mainly concerning confidentiality. So unauthorized disclosure and or access to personal data. And initially, the DPC assessed a range of potential violations, but finally they narrowed it to 51F, 52, 24 and 32. But in the very end, it only came down to breaches on 5, 2 and 24. 
which I found to be brilliant. So you have a case about breach about data breaches, right? And instead of just saying, well, this was poor security and evaluating their security, what they focused on was accountability. So they basically mm. said, we are not going to even look into what kind of security measures did you have organizational technical measures in place. What we are going to look into is how you actually document uh, your compliance in these cases, which I find to be an interesting choice and which is actually very important, I guess, for our listeners mm -hmm. when it comes down to accountability and documenting stuff. But we've kind of, I feel, disagreed a little bit on this, or maybe not. Should they go after 32? Should they look into accountability? I don't know if we've disagreed. Let's see how uh, this pans out, But because obviously we haven't discussed this beforehand and uh, this is the whole intention of uh, our podcast as well. But I think you raised like the key point here that uh, they they weren't so meta wasn't fined due to poor security this case is all about accountability which is i think super interesting and actually i wanted to read just one paragraph from the press release from the dpc and of, of course we will link to this in uh, in the show notes as well but uh, they write that the DPC found that meta platforms failed to have in place appropriate technical and organizational measures, which would enable it to readily demonstrate the security measures that it implemented in practice to protect EU users' data in the context of the 12 personal data breaches. And this is where we, we yeah. discussed a bit, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, 32 exactly. versus 24 and 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was what we what we discussed. And it's so easy to kind of get lost in that wording. But I think at the end of the day, it's it boils down to, you know, them stating we don't care in, in, for this decision, whether or not your security was good enough. We only care about how you can demonstrate whether or not it's good enough. And that's a little bit uh, of an unusual approach. But I think, as I said, that it actually raises some very interesting uh, implications. So what they've basically... But, hang on, I just want to uh, hold you to one thing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you say that uh, you don't think the DPC cared about the security. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that they weren't able to clearly state or um, evidence that the security was not good enough. And that's a crucial difference because you can, of course, you can be found to breach Article 32, which is the case all the time. But here they weren't able to sufficiently evidence that in order to um, defend a breach on 32. Mm. But I think there are several ways to look into this. So why did they not go after 32? One part is, as you say, probably more difficult to prove than account accountability. The second part is they mention at some place that this might be relevant or pending in other cases. So I'm guessing that, you know, they don't, they can't rule on the same thing a couple of times. And then I'm guessing the third uh, thing would probably be that looking into what kind of effect this decision might have on others, that they just thought, you know what, let's push everybody else, let's use this particular decision to focus on how people document stuff. So this signaling mm. effect. So it could be a number of reasons. I have no idea, but it is very clear, as you and say. And the DPC is uh, free to reach out and uh, clarify that on <laughs> a future episode. Of course. <laughs> but uh, look, I don't think that anybody has ever seen a case about uh, data breaches, which explicitly says we're not going to look into data security. 
or yeah. discuss Article 32 as a main point of this case, that is. Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah. what else? You said uh, not being able to document. And I think, you know, I, I would always recommend everybody to read these decisions. There are so many lessons learned. I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is a goldmine of learning the GDPR in practice. One part is you, you see what not to do and you can turn that on its head to really understand what you should do. And what's brilliant in this decision is that the DPC outlines in detail their expectations and what they expect to see at a controller uh, for demonstrating their accountability or demonstrating 5.2 and 24. Yeah, I have to say that I have learned a lot from this decision because I always thought that, come on, the principle of accountability, yeah, yeah, it means I follow the other principles pretty much like data protection by default. But looking into it now, it just shifted my perspective so much. So what they're saying is, you know, you can have perfect security. You can have, say, legitimate interest to process data. You can have all of these things. But if you can't actually document that you have this we don't care. Like, we are going to fine you because you didn't document. So I think this harkens yeah. back to your infamous saying of like, GDPR is 90% documentation. Now it seems like it's 2,050% documentation. <laughs> and I also say that less is not more when it comes to the GDPR. You just, it, this is the reality of, uh, of the compliance with the GDPR. You just have to document everything that you do. Like, my first advice to my clients when Schrems 2 hit was that make sure you schedule a meeting ASAP and you document it. Not just that you had the meeting, but the actual meeting notes uh, as well. Yeah, of course. And let's let's look into how not to do things, how not to document stuff, because... Look, the DPA was actually quite reasonable there, I would say, that they asked for three things, basically, to prove accountability. The risk assessments, uh, some kind of protocol for catching bugs, and then some incident reports. How do they follow up on this? So, basically, a risk assessment, how did you try preventing this, and how do you follow up on these incidents? Which is, I think, uh, something that you can and should expect everybody to have, let alone Facebook, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm frankly shocked, not just by this, but by uh, Facebook's general language and attitude and approach in all of the decisions that I've read that is just outright despicable. But uh, that's for another day to discuss. But I would say I would almost go as far to say, uh, of course, I haven't seen the actual documents from Facebook, but looking at how they have outlined their documentation, I am shocked beyond belief if this is how they have built their privacy and security program at a, a, an enormous business such as uh, Facebook. Like the risk assessment framework that I have for my one woman show company seems more solid than this uh, of course probably it isn't but based on what we see in the decision with all of these fragmented ad hoc uh, undated wikis i'm not impressed my god i'm not either so it, what i jotted down was like risk assessment was a wiki they had a chart <laughs> for how to do their projects but they didn't document that they've actually done anything they did do an soc uh, they did make an soc report but for a wrong product uh, they had bug hunting procedure which was just on paper they had trainings 
which were not adjusted to the roles. So they just had the general privacy training, which did not include the GDPR. (laughs) And they didn't follow their internal governance. Sure, there was a procedure for following up the incidents, but in that procedure, they did not adhere to the internal procedure. They said like, yeah, the procedure says we are to document everything, but this is a living document. It's an ongoing thing. So my God... Yeah, it's shocking. Uh, and the, the SOC 2 Type 2 report, that was there was a couple of the interesting things there. First of all, it applied to uh, Facebook, uh, the work product, Facebook Workspace, I think it's called. And it also excluded the GDPR-specific part in addition. So no, folks, SOC 2 is not a silver bullet for GDPR compliance. So it's uh, nice to have, but it absolutely is not a risk assessment or any of that sort uh, pertaining to the GDPR specifically. So just uh, note that as well. Yeah, and... Again, I have to go back to to your words here and correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that what we kind of mention each time is if you do something like a DPA, it's not enough to document the DPA, document the process of adhering to it, have meeting notes, as you say, keep in a project plan, update things, actually. So this is something that people probably oversee in practice, right? Overlook. They do, and this has been my this has been my experience as a project manager for years and years and years now. I always document, or I have actually used that very word, evidencing the project, because you you just have to have some sort of documentation of those important discussions, what milestones were discussed, what the big decisions were taken. Uh, circulate the meeting notes and unless anybody objects they are pretty much verified and approved by everyone and this uh, applies to the GDPR as well you have to evidence your approach and what you actually did in practice and again this decision really outlines in detail how you can do that so please folks if you have time to read those what was it that was only 61 pages I think so that was a pretty short one (laughs) yeah no but i think it's a very important one i think it's far more interesting and useful than it would have been to just assess the security measures and say yeah this uh, did not have technological organizational because this goes to the very center the the most important thing which is as you say evidence things document things show that you can actually deliver And as you said, that the training was only of a general nature. It didn't pertain to the GDPR specifically. So if you are conducting training related to anything, privacy, security, cybersecurity, whatever, make sure that if you are to classify this as part of your GDPR compliance, you have to have explicit language around the GDPR there as well. And role-based approach, like don't teach, if you are you know, talking to HR, don't talk to them in the same way as security and stuff like that. Yeah, and also the DPC, they refer to industry standards from ANISA, NIST, ISO. So if you have those, if you have internal controls or an ISMS, you know, just make sure that you align all of it uh, in a much better way than what the meta evidently has done here which is completely loosely undated wikis with and also another thing that i noticed was that the documents that they refer to the different wikis 
it's just the titles of the various documents. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's just if you if, seen together as Meta is trying to portray this as. So it's uh, I would have loved to see the actual documentation, but based on what what's summarized in those tables in the decision, it, it seems just ludicrous for a business uh, of the dimensions of Facebook to have uh, that kind of program I'm doing mm -hmm. air quotes here in place yeah it's shocking it's shocking your your local carpenter should should have done it better right oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah but look I know that we don't have too much time for that uh, but can we just uh, look into some of the kind of uh, most interesting most outrageous things that Facebook said I'm gonna start so <laughs> yes. they said that uh, their processing is not high-risk processing it's not systematic monitoring. It's not. It does not fulfill the criteria for their processing and such to be high risk. So that's one of my favorites. But there are many yeah. other things. Uh, I don't know where to start, Milos, because reading everything in detail and reading the actual quoted responses from Facebook, I am, I'm stunned. It, first of all, they deny any kind of responsibility related to any of the issues raised. They don't take responsibility for anything. And uh, on top of that, they are uh, arguing, they are using language which I don't think is appropriate. Uh, they are uh, just refusing any, any kind of responsibility. And I think this is just shocking to see there because it really reveals the attitude of the whole company and you can see the company culture just based on that decision and the other decisions uh, as well it's it's flabbergasting and i think everything from it, it really is arrogant this is not high risk or you know what our processes are automated how do you expect us to document everything in an automated process again if this was a local a small local company i would have still said my god yeah. And it, it gets so much worse in the other decision related to Instagram uh, users, uh, the children users. It gets way worse because they have the same or maybe even worse attitude there pertaining to the processing of millions and millions of uh, children across the world. So... That's and for if, another episode, yeah. but uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see, to say yeah. the least. I can't wait. Can I ask you for your kind of key takeaways from today? My absolutely one key takeaway is to make sure that you can demonstrate your accountability as uh, a controller, because you, you just have to document what you do. As you said so perfectly, it's not enough to document the DPIA, you have to document the process around it. So I'd say for everybody to glance at the decision, maybe I will write a summary of uh, my key takeaways, but documentation is the key word here. Absolutely. And in that sense, I'm super grateful for this decision. But as you yeah. mentioned, there are many others that we need to dive in. So I do wonder if Facebook is going to be our next Helsingay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Metagate maybe. Oh, uh, there's another thing that I wanted to just mention here as well. 
what was that? So uh, people might find this interesting and some may not know, but the uh, you cannot actually find someone as per the uh, GDPR Article 83 for breaches related to Article 24. So this is uh, a pretty interesting one. And I've been trying to dig through and find out why that is. And this was before this uh, decision. Because in Norway, so um, I've, uh, I've uh, produced this uh, online course with the University College here for introductory GDPR. And in the uh, national law here, the Personal Data Act in Norway, there's a separate paragraph stating that breaches related to articles 10 and 24 can also be fined under article 83. And then uh, Jeroen Terstege, who is uh, the BCR's godfather, I believe he calls himself on LinkedIn, he wrote about article 10. And that is probably due to a glitch in the final version of the GDPR that uh, it is actually lacking under article 83. So I'm thinking that maybe that is the same case with Article 24. And if anybody of our listeners knows what happens there for a fact, please let us know. That is That would be very exciting to find out about. Probably to a very small group of people <laughs> who listen to this podcast, but it is a, fa- a fascinating topic. Yeah. So, yep. Do you have anything, uh, other takeaways that we should mention? I don't think so. It's mostly document the processes, not just the routines and do better than a wiki. Do better than a wiki. And final note from me is that you shouldn't delay the process either too much because in this case, the DPC ended up calculating the fine based on the uh, 2021 revenue of uh, Meta Platforms Inc. instead of the 2020 which then let's uh, double check. So the revenue went from almost $86 billion in 2020 to almost $118 billion in 2021. So uh, 17 million euros. Uh, It's uh, a drop in the sea, but at least they uh, got the fine cap increased because uh, of the very delayed process. Yeah, and that's the part where I don't like the Irish DPC when it comes to the fine amounts. But um, but yeah, it's it's a topic yeah. which we need to at some point dive back into, even though we've sp- just spoken about fines. Yeah, we we have to speak more about that because uh, the so Meta they have budgeted three billion dollars in fines, so they are they know already that they're they're breaching uh, some laws here, so. When will we see supervisory authorities start doing more of what uh, the Danish one did? So ban processing. Please let us see much more of that going forward. I can't wait to see what the future holds here. And I can't wait to discuss the other Facebook decisions with you. Likewise. So thank you so much for today, Milos. Likewise. Take care.